Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This is a story about why it's so important to listen to your gut. A friend and I decided that it would be a great idea to go camping for the evening. We live in Utah, a state known for its plentiful outdoor activities, and we didn't have to venture too far out to find an amazing camping spot near to where we called home. My friend was 17 at the time, I was 18, and had freshly graduated from high school. Both of us are females, just in case you're wondering. We're both pretty familiar with being outside, and because we were relatively close to our homes, we thought we were being safe. Although, doubt pretty quickly crept into our minds. We were making dinner when a man with fishing gear walks into view of our campsite from up the canyon in the river. He asked if he could cut through our site to the road. Nothing seemed unusual, so we said sure. He stopped in the middle of our site and asked us what we were making. Really, he just made polite small talk. But then, his question started to get a bit uncomfortable. How old are you guys? Where are you from? How long are you planning to be up here? Is it just the two of you here? I'll admit, some little part of me felt uneasy, but my friend and I were quite naive. We answered every single question, and even offered the guy some food. He declined the food and headed out of our campsite and down the canyon. It was quiet for a couple of hours, but then that man and another middle-aged man walk up the canyon from the direction that the first guy left in and strolled right into our campsite. The first one took us up on our earlier offer for some dinner, and then he just sat there. The new guy with him, he asked a lot of questions, most along the same vein as the first guy. This only increased that uncomfortable feeling. I was uneasy the whole time, but I didn't want to be rude. After a while, they thanked us for the chat and left from our campsite, heading up the canyon, away from where we assumed they were camping. This is when subtle alarm bells became a little less subtle in our mind. My friend and I ate and sat by the fire well into the evening past dark, laughing and having fun. However, we both watched the road the whole entire time, and those men never traveled back down the canyon. Now, I can concede that they may have simply had a fishing base lower in the canyon and their campsite higher, but it's at that point my intuition screamed for me to reconsider. I was desperate to enjoy this camping trip though, and I didn't say a thing, but God, the tension was thick in the air between my friend and I. We were both uneasy and did what we could to fill the silence between us. Eventually, she said, You know the worst part about camping by a river? My stomach sank. Of course I knew. Here in northern Utah, where the rivers are fed largely by runoff, and they traipse down steep mountains, they are loud. You can't hear anything over them, I responded to her. She just nodded. You think we should leave, don't you? She said she didn't feel good about the situation, 
At this moment in our lives, we were both staunch Mormons. FYI, I am no longer one. So we said a prayer right then and there. I now see this as me consciously and fully welcoming the voice of my intuition into my decision-making process. Clear as f***ing day, we both knew we had to get out. As soon as we really stopped pushing down that intuition in favor of having a fun night, all bets were off. Terror filled us, and we threw everything haphazardly into my car before booking it down the canyon. That terror wouldn't leave us until we got off the dirt road of the canyon fork and onto the main paved road, out of the mountains, and heading back towards town. We both watched the rear view the whole time, praying we never saw headlights behind us. As soon as we had a signal, we called my dad and told him what had happened. He was a bit off-put by two grown men trouncing through our campground and asking the questions that they did. So he told us to get the hell out of there and to make sure that we weren't being followed. We ended up sleeping safe and sound in my friend's backyard that night. Knowing what I do now, as an essay therapist, I'm almost certain those men had ill intentions for us that night. I'm glad we didn't stick around to truly find out. Quick bit of backstory for this one. Me, 32-year-old male. My brother, 28-year-old male. And disabled mom all lived together in a trailer about 30 minutes from Nashville, Tennessee. I was wary of moving there at first because of the stereotypes you might hear about trailer parks, but luckily we've had zero issues in the 10 years we've been here. Very nice neighbors, well-kept yards, all that. Okay, so story time. About a week ago, we were finally putting up our Christmas tree, drinking probably too much beer, listening to Christmas music, Christmas spirit in full swing. During a random banter, my brother says, Oh yeah, man, I can't believe I forgot to tell you. Earlier today at work, the owner had to kick out some guy who was acting super creepy. My brother works as a stalker at a family-owned little market about a mile from our home. He went on to tell me that this younger-looking guy was pacing the aisles, sometimes standing still for minutes at a time, and not responding when the owner would ask if he needed help finding something. After about 20 minutes of this weirdness, the owner asked him to please leave because he was scaring the customers, and without a word, the guy left. We continue with our good time, hanging ornaments, drinking, getting our mom involved with the ornaments, not the drinking, of course, and all is good. We wrap up around 10.30 p.m., help our mom to bed, being that she's in a wheelchair, and decide we might as well finish off the ton of beer we have left and admire our decked-out tree. At around 11.30, we decide to go out on the front porch to share a cigarette, as we usually do when we've tied on a good buzz. My brother opens the door, and almost immediately slams it shut. I ask, what's up? And he says, holy shit, dude. The guy I was telling you about earlier just walked down the street past our house. Looked a bit like Michael Myers, if you asked me. I thought that was pretty strange, but wasn't super concerned about it. We waited a few minutes, then went and smoked as usual, and then headed back inside. My brother and I aren't troublemakers at all, but I'm pretty confident in our ability to defend ourselves, if the need be. At this point, these are just thoughts in the back of my mind though. After all, I hadn't even seen this guy. Yet. 
Fast forward to about 2 a.m. We're more than drunk enough to go ahead and call it a night after one more ciggy. My brother opens the door, and within seconds, I hear him say, Whoa, whoa. Hey man, you good? I'm in the kitchen at the time, but quickly decided this doesn't sound right, and rush over to the door. What I see when I get to the open door is a younger man standing on our deck, about three feet from our front door. He's pretty tall, about six feet four inches if I had to guess. And another thing that I notice is that he looks a lot like Adam Driver, which was a detail my brother jokingly mentioned earlier during tree time. So I'm realizing for the first time, this must be the guy he's been talking about. One thing my brother must have not gotten close enough to notice at work though, was this guy's eyes. I'm not exaggerating when I say I've never seen anything like it. His body language wasn't super menacing, but his eyes were the strangest combination of wide-eyed bewilderment and fury. Like, us opening our front door confused him, but also made him very, very angry. I joined my brother in explaining to him that it's late and he should head home. After what I'd say was about 30 seconds of staring, he just walked off without a word. I peeked out of our blinds to make sure he really left and saw nothing. We both tried to laugh it off and were saying things like, well, that was pretty weird, huh? But it took a while for my adrenaline to taper off. The thing I kept thinking to myself that bothered me most was those 30 seconds to me felt like he was the one deciding what the next move would be. But what that could have been I have no idea. I also didn't love that my brother said when he opened the door, the guy was already standing there. So, for how long? We calmed down by watching YouTube videos, and after another 30 minutes or so, I say to my brother, okay man, let's just go to bed. I'll take one more look outside to be safe, but felt like it wasn't really necessary. I open the door, and he's back again. The streetlights in our park are spaced very far apart, but at the edge of our driveway, there I see a silhouette, maybe 50 feet away, again, just staring at our front door. I feel I should mention he's not there texting or on the phone with someone, he's just there. I feel bad in hindsight because I'm sure this poor guy has mental health issues, but between being drunk and exhausted and the look he gave us earlier, I was just over it. I finally put some bass in my voice and said, Hey man, you can't just stand in our driveway. You're being creepy, dude. Just please leave. I really don't want to call the cops on you, so don't make me. This seemed to work. His demeanor didn't change at all, but the word cops seemed to do the trick. He turned around and once again walked away. I hope we handled it well. I understand and empathize with people with mental health problems and have friends and family who unfortunately suffer from those things. However, I still can't shake the feeling that something bad could have happened that night. He didn't end up leaving our porch earlier that night until I showed up at the door, essentially making him outnumbered. And even then, still he came back after. I hope he's okay out there. We haven't seen him since. I also hope not calling the police wasn't a bad choice and that he isn't out there with bad intentions on somebody else's front deck at 2am, someone who may have lived alone or was elderly. I wish I could have figured out 
and what that was all about. But during every interaction that me and my brother had with him, both during the day and the night, he never spoke a word. Pretty f***ing creepy. Back when I was a sophomore in high school, I used to be very close friends with this girl, Kay. Kay and I met in middle school, and we instantly clicked. We would hang out after school pretty frequently. Kay had a very turbulent childhood. Deceased father, foster care, substance abuse mom. And Kay's family would house hop a lot. Our sophomore year, Kay's family was staying with their step-aunt's ex-husband, or something like that. My parents never really stressed about me hanging out with Kay because she was such a kind soul and a great influence on me. Now, the man that Kay and her family were staying with, I'll call him R, was interesting to say the least. I remember the first incident that made me scratch my head. This was when we all went out to dinner with Kay and her family, and R tagged along. Kay and I were seated at the table with him, and he was venting to us about his dating life, showing us pictures of his Tinder bio, and all the women that he was chatting with. We both kind of laughed it off and engaged with him, not thinking much of it. Sometimes when Kay and I hung out, R would have us come to the basement, and he had this room there that had a drum kit, and he'd play them for us with the lights off. Anyway, the strangest encounter that I personally had with R was when I had gone to Kay's house to hang out for the day, and she had gone upstairs to take a shower. While she was in the shower, I was sitting in her room and R wandered in and told me that he wanted to show me something really cool in his room. Kay's room was on the first floor. R's room was the only room on the second floor. Being the young, naive girl I was, I agreed and followed him upstairs. When we got to his room, he realized that the door was locked and he seemed pretty annoyed and the slightest bit jittery because his key was left downstairs. But instead of going downstairs, R takes a credit card out of his wallet and tries to unlock the door that way. Thankfully, it didn't work and something clicked in my brain then, and I decided to go back downstairs and just sit in the bathroom with Kay until she was done with her shower. I'm 23 now, and looking back at it, I honestly don't think there was anything cool to show me in that room. And I thank the moon and the stars that he never got it unlocked. I never told Kay about this, but as we got older, I casually asked her if she had any weird encounters with R, and she said no, but there was something in her voice that intimated that that wasn't the truth. I didn't press her any further, although my heart goes out to this girl for the tough life that she faced from a very early age. When someone tells you that life isn't fair, this is the perfect embodiment of just that. I'm not sure how to end this story, except to say that I'm thankful I never got to see what was awaiting me behind that locked door.